Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Irvindale. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Christ Jesus. Join Pastor Mike as he teaches through the Gospel of Luke. Who does Gabriel tell us that Jesus is? Notice, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. Most high in that verse is translated from the Greek word hoopis. I knew I was going to mess this up. Hoopsistos, which is the Greek equivalent of Hebrew name of a Hebrew name for God, El Elyon. By the way, let me just stop and tell you that when I try to use when I try to throw out these Greek, and I'm not trying to impress you, because obviously, if I can't even pronounce the words, that's not very impressive. There's a reason, and it's because these words matter, okay? That's all I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to impress you. I'd spend way more hours trying to memorize those words if I was trying to impress you. But, but the fact is, is that the word that's translated most high in Greek comes out of and is a, an equivalent of one of the Hebrew names for God, El Elyon, which means supreme sovereign ruler. And I can only imagine that this communication must have been overwhelming to Mary. Here she is, 14 years of age, in some little, I don't know what, some little something, hovel somewhere in this little no-name town, and this angel comes and says, Mary, you're going to conceive a child while you're still a virgin. Mary, you're going to name him Yahweh saves. Mary, he will be inherently great because of who he is. And Mary, he is the son of the supreme sovereign ruler. Wow. Truth point number two. To say that Jesus is the son of El Elyon is to say that he is of the same character, nature, and essence of God. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. The writer received this from the Holy Spirit. He, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God. And read it with me. And the what? The exact imprint of his nature. This is no ordinary being here that she's going to be carrying in her womb for the next nine months that's going to be coming out and thrilling the world. He is the exact imprint, the exact representation in the flesh of God. But there's more. You would think that's enough. But I want you to take note that for this 14-year-old nobody from nowhere, there's more. Gabriel goes on to tell Mary that her son Jesus will receive a kingdom. He will receive a kingdom from God and his rule over that kingdom will not be temporary, it will be permanent. Verses 32b through 33, and the Lord God, this is the message of Gabriel to Mary, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. That statement goes back over 450 years to the reign of King David over Israel. King David took Israel to its prominence, to its apex, if you will. And while he served as king, God made a covenant with him. And it's called the Davidic Covenant. 1 Samuel chapter 7 records it. First Chronicle 17, 11 through 14 summarizes it. I want us to go to that summary and see what the Davidic covenant is all about. Look with me 
at 1 Chronicles 17, 11 through 14. This is the message from God to King David. When your days, David, are fulfilled to walk with your fathers, that's a nice way of saying, when you pass away, I will raise up your offspring after you, one of your own sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for me, and I will establish his throne forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And I will not take my steadfast love from him as I took it from him who was before you, speaking there of Saul. But I will confirm him in my house and in my kingdom forever, and his throne shall be established forever. 450 years more plus back in time, God made a covenant with David that the kingdom of David, the throne and the rule of David would go on and on and on. That it would never stop, but it would go on and it would receive its ultimate glory through one of his sons. That wasn't Solomon. It turns out to be Jesus. And that's why both Joseph and Mary's lineage is traced. And you find that when it's traced, it goes back through the line of David. The Messiah had to come through the line of David to fulfill this prophecy. Matthew gives us Joseph's line and shows how he is a descendant of David. Luke gives us Mary's line and shows how she is a descendant of David. Jesus came physically through Mary. And was adopted by Joseph, therefore by both natural and national law, Jesus is a rightful son of David and legally eligible to take the throne. Why do I share those for some insignificant points with you today? Because it proves that God left no stone unturned, no prophecy unfulfilled, No detail unattended. In ways that only he can perform, he brought a sinless, rightful heir to David's throne and to his kingdom. He brought him into the world. And Gabriel informs Mary that her son will be the fulfillment of these things. Now, can you imagine receiving that kind of news? Your son's name will be Yahweh saves. He will be great, not because of what he does. He'll be great because of who he is. And by the way, who is he? He's the son of El Elyon. And he will receive David's throne. And he will rule over a kingdom that will never, ever stop. Hmm. If you received news like that, how would you respond? Well, how does Mary respond to such unbelievable news? We find that she believes, but she inquires. She believes, but she inquires. It's the opposite of Zechariah. If you remember Zechariah, his response six months earlier when Gabriel told him that he and Elizabeth would have a son, his first response was, how can I trust what you tell me? That was his first response. How can I trust what you tell me? How can I know that what you say is true? He wanted a sign. Give me a sign, Gabriel, so that I can know that I can trust you. Gabriel said, fine, you want a sign? Then you can't talk. 
Your tongue is locked. You won't utter another word until this baby is born. Is that good enough for you? Mary's response quite different. She receives Gabriel's announcement in faith, but she asked him to explain to her how this will happen. And here we come to an excessively important truth point. So if you haven't gotten anything else here this morning, please really rouse yourselves right now and get this one. Put it on the screen. There is no sin in asking God to explain what you don't understand. God is happy to help us understand what we otherwise cannot know. Among many of us, there is this internal thought that it is not a good thing to ask God to explain. And so we don't. And then we kind of walk around in ignorance, making up all kinds of scenarios to explain what we don't understand. Hey, I just want you to know, God is not offended when you say, Lord, <laughs> you've given me something here uh, and I don't get it. I don't understand. How can that be? That's not a statement of unbelief. That's a statement of not understanding. And God is thrilled as any good parent would be when their child comes and says, would you help me understand? I'm reminded of the words of Jeremiah the prophet who received this encouragement from God. Call to me. And I will answer you and tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. God delights to help us understand him. To give us light. Light to take our next steps. What he cannot and will not tolerate from his children is unbelief. Unbelief, he can't stand that. But questioning... He doesn't have a problem with. Now let me say that God has answered so many of our questions already. There are many things we don't really have to go to him in prayer and ask him to explain to us because he's given us his revelation. And many of the things that we deal with every single day are already told to us. The problem is, let me, let me just explain a little problem we have is that we don't always like the answer. We don't like the answer. So we keep acting confused. Okay, Pastor, you read that to me. I understand, but I don't like that. So I'm still confused. God, will you help me understand? He points you back to the world. I didn't like that, God. Could you help me understand? Hey, listen, if you don't like what God tells you, that's your problem. And I don't have anything to give you beyond that. And if we're wise... Whether we fully understand it or not, we receive it. It's explained to her how it's going to happen. But do you think it helped her to really, oh, I get it. Okay, no, I think she said, okay, uh, thanks for the answer. Let's see what happens. And she went on. You see, how can I trust you versus how will this happen? Miles apart. Mary only knows one way that a woman can conceive a child. And apparently that's not going to be the way she's going to do it. So she asks for help. And that leads to our final point. The divine empowerer. 
The Holy Spirit of God is the answer. How will this be since I am a virgin? The answer? The Holy Spirit of God. That's how it will be. The Holy Spirit of God. The same Spirit that hovered over the waters in Genesis 1-1 when the earth was still lifeless and void. The same Spirit that gave revelation, skill, and stamina to Noah to build an ark that he had never done anything like that before. The same Spirit that fell on Samson and he was able to do supernatural feats of strength. The same Spirit that engaged with David, giving him victory after victory, leading Israel to her greatest days at that point as a nation. The same Spirit who inspired prophets of old to predict future events that have been fulfilled down to the smallest detail. That Spirit, Mary, will come upon you. He will overshadow you. And he will spark in your womb a brand new thing. Divine humanity. He will spark in your womb God in the flesh. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission.